Okay, Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your presence, Lord, that is with us to guide us into you, Lord, into what you have purpose for us today, Father. We do ask you to be with uh, Brother Butch today, Lord. Lord, that you would strengthen him. Lord, that his inner man would be strong in you, Lord. Give uh, him and Sister Lee wisdom, Lord, as to how to proceed, Father. Go before us today. Go be with the kids today. Cordova, Lord, that your hand will be strongly upon them, Lord, upon the teachers. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Thank you for this morning, for your word, Lord, for your, your, what you're going to speak to us, Lord. We open our hearts, open our ears to receive. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and gather. <laughs> I will sing of the mercies of the Lord.
I believe there's something that, that's going on <clears throat> with all of us. Um, and we, yesterday, uh, we were talking about, um, uh, Brother Bill was mentioning uh, imputation. And um, I can't see you with these on, and I can't see my notes with these on, off. So. Um, he was talking about imputation <clears throat> and the net effect of imputation it you know I was, I was thinking that um, there's two parts of that one is that God does not impute sin and the second is that he imputes righteousness so um, not based on anything that we did um, and we know that um, but there is an eternal purpose for that imputation. And that purpose is that you and I would be joined to the Lord in the way that he intended. Uh, I read somebody famous uh, yesterday. Um, I won't give you his name. It's not T.A. Sparks. Somebody else. And uh, he said, we'll never have the relationship that Jesus Christ had with the Father. And I thought, mm, mm. <clears throat> Because honestly, um, it's not my idea. I didn't come up with that. But I would think anybody, if there is anybody that I can think of, just that would get their prayers answered, I think Jesus did. And when you look in John 17, right, he said that, you may be one, that they may be one in the same way, this is my little expanded version, but in the same way that we are one. So I hope your sights aren't too low. The whole point of imputation is so that you and I could be made one with the Father. Right. It, and, and I know questions come up about what about this and what about that. And, and I think what God is actually doing with every single one of us, he's ridding us of every excuse not to approach him. How could we ever approach God if he didn't impute righteousness and not impute sin? <laughs> Couldn't do it, right? Uh, the reason he did it was so we could approach, not so that we could go on sinning and loving our life and being self-absorbed and all those things that we do know about. Um, and uh, so I, I think we're in the process here, every single one of us, um, of uh, God... Uh, eradicating every every excuse that I came out with. I came out with excuses. I I just did, and um, like um, I, I you know I I loved to play basketball when I was younger, and I um, I couldn't touch the rim. I could touch the net. <laughs> If I jump, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, but I, I just, I was too short to make a real impact, you know. Um, except, and then it really bugged me because then there was these guys, you'd watch the slam dunk contest in the NBA. And, um, and uh, 
I saw guys that were five foot six, which is a full inch taller than me. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, but they would, um, actually there was one guy that was five foot three. I don't know what vertical he had, but he would get like way above the rim. <laughs> He'd win the dunking contest. And that really deflated me because all this time I had this excuse why I wasn't in the NBA. <laughs> but we all came out with excuses and they came from our parents, right? The kind of parents we had, right? You know, if your parents are here, don't be offended. Just, I'm just saying. You had, you know, the parents in the room had parents and they had parents before them and they all had reasons why we are not. And uh, my particular nervous system, my particular proclivities, my particular likes and dislikes, my particular analysis, my, my, my. All the reasons we are not. You know, there's a great scripture um, in 1 Corinthians 2, I think. Could be one. But it's just a list of those that qualify for this calling. And I think it's... Uh, Based, base, despised. Um, anybody know what the list is? I didn't write this down, but somewhere in the Bible. Okay, you see your calling. Okay, so not many noble. He's chosen the foolish, chosen weak. Uh, he chose the base things. To the end of uh, 1 Corinthians 1, but, uh, and things which are not, okay, to bring to naught things that are. And uh, I, <laughs> I was in a service with Joe Latour, and he leaned, somebody read this verse, this is just in the last year sometime, and somebody read this, got up and read this verse, and he leaned over to me and said, Dave, we're overqualified. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I'd like to tell you this morning, you don't have a single excuse for not approaching the throne room of grace. I don't want to. You don't have a single excuse for not approaching the throne room of grace today. And I just got to say this, the, the life that you now live is where you must find Christ. It's not another life. It's not another environment. It's not another circumstance. It's not another group of people. Right? I, you know, we were talking yesterday. I'm thankful that God put me here. Not for any reasons that I expected. I just got to tell you, the greatest revelation that I've had living here is I've seen myself. <laughs> we were singing, a, we had a, I had a Zoom meeting last weekend, and, 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 and it was great. You know, someone was leading the praise of Huna. And they started singing, if I perish, I perish. Have you ever listened to the tune that goes with that play, that word, those words? Da, 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 da. Yeah, I know. It is like cha-cha-cha. I am, if I perish, I perish, uh, you know, through hard trial, tribulation, persecution, trouble, and oh, Right? Like, it just, are you kidding me? And I, I, I didn't want to offend who, you know, more than likely the, the person on the Zoom wrote the song is sitting there watching me, you know. But I, I said, who, I said, is that what Esther was like? Uh, you know. Um, Anyway, um, no, I think Esther was nervous. I think she was afraid, right? I think there was perhaps some fear there. I think, and, and, and there's been some, 
anxiety about being part of the group that, uh, that we just read there in, in, in 1 Corinthians 1, the Arnots and the despised and the foolish and all those things. Just shut it off. You don't have to apologize. <laughs> I need to talk a little more about the excuse you find with your parents. <laughs> We all, we all set? Is it still playing? Yeah. Here we go. Okay. Because I don't know. All right, let's close. You're without excuse for coming to the throne of grace, and it's in this life right now. It's not another life. It's not a... It's right now. And I, I, I hope we read the Bible only for this reason, to find out the environment that God brought his children up. It was a bunch of Arnots that became what God said because of God, not because of them. And, and you look at their lives and you say, wow, yeah, you better believe wow, because God is, is the one that is bringing forth something out of nothing. Uh, you that were not a people, right, are now the people of God. And I was saying, I'm, I'm thankful for the reasons, I, I'm thankful for God putting me here because it's enabled me for whatever reason, it was the right place. It was the exact place. Uh, could, could he have dealt with me? Can God deal with you anywhere? Yes, he can. Uh, <clears throat> it, but I'm thankful for where he put me to deal with me because that was the reason he put me here. To wake me up to the thought that I am absolutely unequivocally without excuse, though I, have, I keep bringing them up to him. What about this? And what about that? And what about the deficiency that I continue continually see in myself. What about the deficiency? And there's a wonderful scripture. It says, and, and, and I don't know all that I'm going to say. I got so many thousands of notes, but I'm not going to be very long. Um, there's an indictment um, in, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 20, that I, would, I think I'll read that. Because I think this is the issue for every single one of us in Deuteronomy chapter 32. passage it's just uh, it's talking about they lightly esteem the rock of their salvation and starts in 15 uh, they provoked them to jealousy they sacrificed the devils not to God to gods whom they didn't know to new gods <laughs> that newly came up do you remember Richard preached that remember that Rich he, he was on that for a while um, of the rock that begat thee, you become unmindful. And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them. And then it says in verse 20, and he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very froward generation. And this is the indictment. Children in whom is no faith. That was the indictment for the children of Israel out in the wilderness. It was children in whom there is no faith. So the, the, the other the side of the, the other side of, of uh, being without excuse is that now 
you must step out in faith and trust of the one that called you, regardless of your particular condition that was decrepit, which we know, um, and has called you into something, and it's on the basis of his calling, it's on the basis of his energy, it's on the basis of his thought and eternal purpose that you and I can be what he said. So our confidence, when it says don't throw away your confidence, which has great reward, what does that mean? That means that you've stepped out of faith because it's never been about you and I being able to pull it off. And we know this. It's always, though, our confidence <coughs> has always been in because he called us, because he promised to perform this. And he, his promises, with his promises, he mixed it with an oath. And he said, I swear I'm going to perform it also. <laughs> Right? Faithful is he that has called you who will also do it. So this morning and today, your life is designed for you to come into the kind of hunger and thirsting for righteousness and for the kind of faith that God wants to grow up in us. And the kind of trust. And what you see with any, any of the, the Bible stories is a picture of um, an individual that... God brings forth and they are, they have troubles, they have disasters because they're human. Uh, they have difficulties. And what you see though is a, it, it is a growth process and it's a growth of faith. It's a growth of trust in the one that called. And that's where all of us are. We're in the process where our trust must come up to the place where all other things, all and, and particularly I want to say this, all other fear is below that. And that's why that I was going to start with the scripture that let your conversation be without covetousness. Um, I, I, I can't quote the whole thing over in Hebrews. Thirteen. Let your conversation, five, thirteen, five, be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And I've often read that thinking of, um, I will not fear what man outside me will do unto me. We have a lot of imaginations about what it is to actually uh, be, you know, this book's written about it, and, uh, but what it is actually to lay your life down. There's, some, there's a lot of drama sometimes in theatrical imagination related to it. And the truth is, um, laying down your life doesn't need a coliseum. It doesn't need lions, right? It doesn't need a firing squad. And many times we have projections of the greatness of some that went that way. But there's a whole bunch that didn't go that way but laid down their life. Um, but the reason they laid down their life, and, and it says, is because something happened. And it was they were delivered uh, from fear of death. They were delivered from that. Yeah. And how are you delivered 
from the fear of death except that you grow in faith. That is how you are delivered from the fear of death. Now you say it was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. That's what opened this new and living way for us to start on this journey of faith. Yes. But you must grow up into the place so that when you see Abraham, when he went out, and, and there's not tons of explanation, um, you know, when God called him to go out, he said, come on out, leave your family, leave your homeland and all that. And then the next morning, apparently, it looks like he's going. And of course, we laughed about and we laugh at all these pictures because we realized that, you know, we had some intelligent, hardworking, middle class Americans that knew that you had to work to eat. I mean, that wasn't a foreign concept to anybody that came up here, right? But, but when it came to a plan, right, it just wasn't primary. It wasn't primary. Why wasn't it primary? Because we needed to get moving. And the wind of the Spirit got us going. There's no other explanation for that. And, and, and this is our small little microscopic experience. There were thousands of people that went all over creation. You know, and I, I, you know, I get tired of the winter here, but I'm thankful I didn't go down to the Cockatoo or something. Fabian loves it. I mean, I don't, you know, what? Georgia, yeah. Well, Fabian has, I've often heard, I mean, he had difficulty, he lost his father there, but I've heard him talk about his time growing up as a kid very fondly. You know, and I have no way to relate to that. Like, I thought if I grew up in the jungle, I'd probably be dead right now, right? I think. There's a lot of things that kill you there. I've watched a lot of the Tarzan movies or Animal Planet snake videos. Bobby, <laughs> I used to go out, I forget he was telling me that. Would you used to go out at night and hunt some and steal watermelons? Have you repented of that? But they go out at night and just, he's, I, it, I didn't hear anything else he said. Down in the jungle, they would go out at night. Why? I was in a motel in Africa. And I, I'm laying in, and you shut the light and you can't hardly see your hand underneath. Um, but as your eyes get adjusted to darkness, you can start seeing things. And I saw up in the ceiling in the corner a big open hole. And you know, I was trying not to look at that hole. Because I, I was thinking something was going to come through there. Anything. Because, as I said, I've watched a lot of Animal Planet videos and see what happens, right? Um, but the wind of the Spirit moved us forth, and it was a step of faith. And you look at Abraham and his life, and he did a lot of silly things. I mean, you know, as, as a husband, I don't know, if, you, if someone said, if, you're, um, if you felt like your life was being threatened, would you throw your wife in front of you? I mean, the thought as a husband, if you have any kind of sense of heroism, is that you would block your wife from the bullets. But not Abraham, not so. No, no, no. He, he looked at these people. These people, I don't think the fear of God is here. You go, Sarah. <laughs> right? You know, I mean, he, was there some self-preservation there, perhaps? 
maybe there was a, a touch of, of, of human self-absorption that he, he was dealing with. And, but still God got him out. And still he's the father of our faith. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Before he was circumcised? Yes. Isn't that what Romans says? It was before he did any good things, right? God brought him forth. Till you get to Genesis 22, and I'm sure I've said this, the first time I read that to absorb that in Genesis 22, where it says, take, you know, your son and, 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 and sacrifice him. I thought, um, I, I'm, you know, when I first time I read it, I broke down and started crying. because I, don't, I mean, I, I trust that was the spirit moving on my heart or whatever. I don't know. It could have just been a soul response. Whatever it was, there was a huge gap between me and that chapter. Like, I think my son was probably about seven. And the thought of it, the actual thought of it, the literal thought of doing that. I know it's foreshadowing uh, our Heavenly Father and what he, he sent His Son. I know all the foreshadowing. I, I just got to tell you, the foreshadowing is all great. The types are all great. But the reality is the life I now live must be by faith. Right? And so some of you have, I just got to tell you, day unto day unto day, you've had to scoop up your child and give it to the Lord. Because you realize they're in a situation that you can't do anything about because if you could, you would have fixed it already. Right? There are things that you must go offer to God that you are doing. And what is going on in that? That is, there's a, there's a growth of faith every single day that you offer. <coughs> that is where the growth is. It's not a, all the, <coughs> we say growth spurt. You know, he's having a growth spurt. And I never had any growth spurts. <laughs> I think that's funny. It's not funny. It wasn't a joke. That's true, right? I mean... I got to a certain point and I wasn't too bad, but then everybody else sped ahead. And I stayed the same, you know. I'm not that much different than I was in junior high school, except for about 40 pounds. <laughs> um, but this growth is day by day by day by day by day. It's not, <clears throat> I don't mean all of a sudden you look at somebody and it looks like something's happened. Yes, but there's been a daily day-by-day day growth. And so you see uh, the level of faith and trust that Abraham moved in at the end of his time there, or at least, you know, when he's bringing Isaac up. How did he do that? Because it, what happened was that he grew in his faith. Did he lose all his fear? I don't think so. He was still human. But his fear was subservient to his faith. And isn't that what is going on with us? So that um, we are not in bondage to our fear, but rather um, God is delivering us from all our fears. And so there's a bunch of things in the Bible, and I'm not going to read them, but what is going on with all of us that is the most precious thing, First Peter 1 says, is the trial of our faith is more precious, it's, it's the precious thing, it's more precious than gold. The trial, the putting to test, the proving, and um, of, are you in faith? And is your faith growing? 
And God brings us into things that stretch our faith, right? It, it stretches our faith. My faith of yesterday, and, and, have, and everybody in this room has moved in faith, and you can substitute the word trust, has moved in faith um, in certain areas that you've walked through. And you know what the beautiful thing about that is? That you don't live on what you've walked through historically, but it is a revealing of the kind of Heavenly Father you have because He's shown you very clearly that you are not. You're part of the Arnot group. But He's shown you that you can, He can walk you through and bring you into the condition that you can get through something that you never thought would be possible on the other side of it, right? So then He takes a man like Abraham that was full of self-preservation and gets him to the condition where he's full of faith that he brings his son up. And, and the thought of being full of faith and, and, um, is just this. And, and we, we get stretched with our faith. And I, I want to emphasize a lot today um, that it, it is in your, it's in your own life. It's in your own genealogy. It's in your own environment. It's in your own nervous system. That's where faith must grow. It doesn't grow because someday you're gonna face a Colosseum. It grows right now in where I am living. It grows in the relationships that you're involved in. It grows in those things that you have no capacity uh, to do anything about. That's where your faith grows. That's where, that's why Paul says the life I now live, I live by faith. Um, and there is a work of the Spirit that is um, really, I think, the most significant work. And it's over in John 16. If you considered this, I was thinking about this, that we're not really in charge of this relationship with God. I, I don't know. Have you ever thought of that? I'm not really in charge of the relationship. I mean, I call upon the Lord. And I know the Bible verses, so don't, don't throw it in my face. I call upon the Lord, and it appears as though... He might not be listening. Has anybody had that impression? I'm not saying he's not listening. I'm not saying he didn't hear. I'm saying it appears that he is not responding actually with the (coughs) expediency that I would expect from for one of his special children. I think I told you, I thought, I turned to Joe and Blueberry, maybe I said this, I don't know. 
that for a minute I said, Joe, out of all the ministry, Mike McCord invited you and me. None of the others. We must be special, Joe. Max Lucado was right. <laughs> and then I reveled in that for about three seconds. Just being exalted and lifted into the heavenlies. And I realized it was because we were vaccinated. <laughs> but what actually has happened in this relationship, because that's the whole purpose of God, right? I mean, I... Can I, if I had to narrow down my deficiency, really? I don't mean my flaws and all. I mean the narrow, the, the deficient place I find is, is my communion with the Spirit of God. That is the thing that I am mostly ache about. Out of anything. I, I was... Uh, appreciated uh, Bill having us pray for Kathy the other night. You know, the spontaneity of that. I, I hope we, sometimes we get bound up by our doctrine, I think. Doctrine is not designed to bind you. Doctrine is not intended to do away with the spontaneity of the Spirit. Right? I know that we've, ne we, we've I preach it, and I, I believe it, that we don't major in the gifts. The gifts are temporal, right? Healings are temporal, aren't they? But having said that, that does not mean the Holy Spirit doesn't want to do something. At the least, when we all prayed for Kathy, at the least, we were being exercised in the loving kindness of the Lord. But you know what I was struck with? Not, not even for Kathy. I thought... Because I think Kathy is absolutely unequivocally in the Lord's hands. I don't understand the why or any of that. I'm, not, I'm just saying I do. But I looked at us going and touching. And I thought... It's like all these pictures on the wall. The Arnots have all gathered together to heal somebody. And you know, we have no significant power at all outside of the moving of the Spirit. What we do have is a body to offer. What we do have is someone brings up, let's pray. We, what we do have is just that we take some steps and we bless them. In faith, right? In faith. But I, I hope we don't do away with the spontaneity of the Spirit. Because that's really the major issue for every one of us is communion with the Spirit of God. And if I say if there's one lack, that's, what, that's where the lack is. And I don't, I don't mean I don't have it. I don't, but the awareness of that, the... 
that which, you know, do you read, I hate certain passages in the Bible because they're so aggravating. That which our hands have handled, you know, uh, our, the word of life. Then it goes on, it says, truly our fellowship is with the Father and the Son. And, and I, I, I look at my frailty to, you know, and all of our frailty and all of our smallness to go and touch. But I think God uses those things to grow our faith step by step. Um, you, don't, you haven't wasted a minute any time you've actually sought the Lord. I don't care what you think happened. You have not wasted a second. If you got, drop down on your knees because you need to come to the throne room of grace. Because you do it in faith. Not faith in yourself. Not faith in your disciplined prayer life. Not faith in your morning devotions. Faith in the Father that called you. Who will also do it. That's why. That's why. And so he sent his spirit. And, and Jesus starts chapter 16. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. I thought somehow I skip over that in chapters. I've skipped over that in chapter 16. I get down to the meat of the passage. But the whole reason he's explaining this to his disciples is so they won't be offended at actually what happens in real life. Anybody been offended by what happens in real life? Boy, that's a silly question. He said all these things will happen. And it goes on to seven. He said, um, it's expedient for you that I go away. If I do not go away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And do you know how Jesus offered himself? How did he do it? He did it through the Spirit. In Hebrews 9, right? He offered himself through the eternal Spirit. Do you know how you can... By the Spirit. Lord, I, here I am. I'm coming in faith. And I, I know it's nothing without your Spirit. But your Spirit's in me. I'm, here I am. Uh, anyway, it talks about... Uh, I'll skip down to verse 12. It says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. I hope you don't think it's blasphemous to realize that Jesus is not our big helper now. He's done an eternal work and sacrifice. But actually what's going on is that the same spirit that worked in the heart of Jesus as he walked on this earth is working in your heart to bring you into that condition of full faith. Yes, we would not be sitting here in this new birth and... This opening up of a new and living way without the work of Jesus Christ. Come on. Like if, if you uh, are embracing this life of, of, of the influence of the spirit, you have nothing but escalating appreciation for the way that Jesus Christ walked on this earth. That is not a diminishing of that sacrifice. 
there is an increase of appreciation and gratitude for this way that he opened up. Because we see the challenge of our faith growing. So, but what, this is the work of the Spirit. Howbeit, when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. He shall receive of mine and shall show it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Mine. That's only one syllable. <laughs> Therefore, I said, he shall take of mine and show it unto you. The work of the Spirit is to reveal to you the things of the Father that are designed for you. That was important to me. What the source of our faith is, is the work of the Spirit to reveal the things of the Father. As you keep walking, what happened with Abraham was, it wasn't that he became a super spiritual man. It's that he, what was revealed to him, step by step, day by day, was the kind of heavenly father that he had that he could throw all his trust into. His father was altogether trustworthy. That's what's revealed to us on a daily basis. Do you know why God has helped us over the years with what he's helped us with? It's not so that we can accumulate goods and become, you know, it says they wax fat and forgot God. No, that, that was not the point. And I don't know that God is so concerned that I have this much money or this much money. And, uh, you know, we all appreciate more. But, you know, what's the end of that? Yeah, what is enough? What family fund are we going to keep cheering about? No, really. I mean, we, the last family fund, you know, we get used to. The first time we get a big family fund, we all cheer. Right? The first time we receive permanent fund, we kept it because we're able to. And this is not out of lack of gratitude. I'm thankful. The office says, the ladies, Brenda, Becky, it's a lot nicer working in there these days than it used to be. About this time of year, we might have had, you know, what, Becky, $500,000 in the line of credit that we borrowed. That's why all my hair is gone. <laughs> I didn't like living like that. You know what my grandfather told me when I was 20 or 21 or something? He said, I mean, I was just starting out, you know. Don't ever buy anything on time. Just pay cash. Yeah, that's what I do for my shirts. <laughs> what about a car? What about a house? I, I, okay, okay. <laughs> The reason God, I don't know, 
read the Old Testament, read the children of Israel, read the magnitude of miraculous power that he displayed in the wilderness to sustain those people, and then say, what about this life I'm living right now? There's been miraculous power that you've just been a part of to sustain you in the wilderness, and just in a natural way. There's been a great provision that has been made, but you know, it's really for one thing that you and I would grow in faith, and not faith in ourselves, faith in a heavenly Father that is able to bring those things that are not and, and make them what they are called to be. He calls the base. He calls the, the, the lousy. He calls, it's not. That's in New American Standard. The lousy. Um, he calls us to bring us forth. And the growth of faith is a growth of trust in the heavenly Father that calls you. The reason Abraham walked up the mountain in that ten chapters later is because he... He came by the Spirit to this revealing that his heavenly Father was trustworthy even in this. To the point where he was delivered. And, and I have a new concept of deliverance. I don't know about you. The new concept of deliverance is I don't know how far below my faith it is. It's, it's still around the things I struggle with. But above that, there's something else. There's faith that will carry me through all the stuff down here. It was faith that God was what he promised he would perform. He says if you, in, in Proverbs 24, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You know, and that's such an important thing because God walks us through that. That you come into adversity and you find you're fainting. Why does he do that? So that you are catapulted in, like Paul says. We had the sentence of death in ourselves. That we'd not trust in ourselves. Right? <clears throat> it says, uh, maybe I'll look in Isaiah 41. I'm almost finished here. I think in three places it says, verse 10, fear not, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. For I am thy God, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Verse 13, for I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Verse 14, Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel, I will help thee, says the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. See, what God is doing is delivering every one of us from trusting in ourselves and bringing us to the condition where we trust Him in my life, right now, today, in my circumstances, in my nervous system, in all of the stuff that we deal with. Bringing us to the point with where we trust Him, we grow in the trust. Day by day, you grow in the trust. In Psalm 56. Verse 
Let's see. Be merciful unto me, verse 1, O God, for man would swallow me up. Anybody felt that way? And it wasn't anybody outside you. He fighting daily oppresses me. Mine enemy would daily swallow me up. For they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. Verse 3. And this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. What God's showing us is that we are without excuse to be a part of what he's called us to. Because he's promised and he wants to perform it. There's no reason today not to go boldly to the throne room of grace. To find the kind of help even in this today, Lord. Even in this. And so the apostles had a, a, a really good prayer. And I don't remember where it is. Maybe it's Luke 12. But it's in there. They're listening to Jesus talking about salvation. And finally, you sense, finally, <laughs> they got to the point where the apostles said, and it was an imperative statement. And I think you and I could use this kind of prayer. Lord, increase our faith. Could you increase my faith today? Amen. Thank you, David. It's very clear. I was sitting there thinking but one thing, looking around at some of the things you've been through, and generally, you never tell anyone that uh, they can eat yesterday's manna. But you know, some of the things that this family has gone through, with friends, with fathers, with mothers, with death, with cancer, all of this, you may have been in the middle of it, and I thought of uh, Dick and Becky, and I thought of you, Seth, uh, you know, death, and, and to the degree that it happened at the time, I, I, would, I don't know where you were, have no idea, but today I know where you are, and you have a different look because of what took place. The little children who go through things, they have no idea in certain points, but when, they, when they're older, they get the picture. And uh, so, you know, I, I have no idea why I didn't want to write a book about yesterday, but I know the dogging, the consistency of God to run us all down. And I'm going to close in this, and it, this is vital. David mentioned it a couple of times. And, and please consider this. There is kind of a flippy view with Scripture. Uh, we, we toss a Scripture and toss it here and toss it there. And sometimes there's no continuity. 
for you to go to the throne of grace to find help is a good thing. But for you to go there and get your request is another thing. And please, please bear with me on this. Because when Jesus came out of the tomb, the 300-pound veil was rent in two, which represents the heart. And if your heart and your direction isn't, uh, God, I, I don't want anything else. I crave what's here. I'm in the middle of tension. But dear Father, I'm here today for help. You, why would he answer a 50-year-old who still, for most of his life, has been double-minded? He's unproven. Why would, he, why would a 16-year-old who, who still walks his way come to the throne of grace and, and God knows that some of these things we have to get out of our system. So please don't be so hard on, on yourself or God because growth, as David said, is central. And you won't get it here in the morning. You'll only get it when God specifically is dealing with you in the interior. And, and thank you, David, particularly for consistency.